Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good morning from the great state of Maine. I know I've said that a few times, it's almost like a catchphrase, but it is very early, just before the 5 a.m. ticker on the old clock and you know what that means. It's just me, me alone, yet again. <laughs> but hey, you know what? It's been uh, over a week now, or maybe we're just at a week, where the goal was to do two a week, and I am just squeaking out this one because I need to need to keep putting it out there. Got people supporting this show, so I'm going to get on this microphone and we're going to talk about a few cool things that have been going on and all that sort of stuff. But I do have some pretty cool news up here. Uh, it seems like the West Sale community is starting to grow. Uh, we hauled one out the other day, and a um, couple, of, couple of guys came up, uh, showed up, and all of a sudden, boom, I look on the dock, and there's a West Sale 32. Ah, so we're we're multiplying, and then from what I understand, another guy came in uh, yesterday or the day before talking about wanting to haul his out here. So getting a little bit of a group family thing going on. I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty neat though. Uh, we'll we'll for sure be sharing stories, tips, tricks, all that sort of stuff. But it also, I you know, deep down inside, kind of makes me. I uh, need to step up the old game. <laughs> I got to make sure Almighty Sparrow's uh, pulling her weight as far as how she's looking clean, all that sort of stuff. And uh, right now it's the absolute opposite um, because we've been working like 10, or no, 11, 12-hour days so far this week, except for yesterday. Um, Oh, man. And, uh, you know, when you work that much, it, everything else sort of gets derailed in a way, uh, especially when it's such uh, intense physical sort of labor and it's constant. You know, it's really not we take a little 30 minute break for lunch, but boy, it's uh, we're we're basically moving and shaking. But I digress before that's a preview of some of the stuff we'll get into, but, uh, you know, first and foremost, I wanted to hit up some of the stuff. I got a great email yesterday uh, about from a guy named Kyle, and he just wanted to hit me up because I, I had talked a while back on the podcast about the emergency water pump that I use, and it's a catadine pretty standard. It looks like a big black sort of tube and with this this handle on it. And one of the annoying things with it, besides the one that, that exploded on my first trip, uh, the you, you got you have to pump it and it's one pump per second. So one second push it down, one second pull it up, and you have to do it at that slow rate of speed. And I guess he stumbled across some some YouTube video where uh, some people were being interviewed or, or whatever, but uh, I think they had tried to actually make an automated 
automatic one using, uh, of all things, a uh, windshield wiper motor for a car. And holy cow, I didn't even, you know, as soon as I, as soon as I heard that, I was, I'm sold. And I've got my buddy Dave here who knows everything and anything about cars and can rebuild them from the ground up. So I might have to find out if uh, we can get ourselves a little motor because that would be that would be so cool. I don't know if we'd be able to run it off a of twelve, but I guess you would because the car runs off a of twelve. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's pretty interesting. But I want to thank Kyle for uh, hitting that up, and then also some 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 nice comments about the show and everything, which is always always pretty cool. Um, you know, you get you get people reaching out and. I don't know. He he's got a West Sale. Uh, I don't know where he's where he's from and stuff. But I do want to say thank you, Kyle, for sending that in because that that will be uh, that'll be kind of interesting to just sort of go through and and see if that's possible. Boy, that would be. I mean, those those water pumps generate such a small amount to be able to on a really sunny day just kick a thing on and then have it slowly drip. Even if it only did like two or three gallons in a day, if you could have that going directly into your water tank, boy, that would be that would be so nice. Just to not not be up be up there holding a book instead of holding a uh, a water pump that you have to sort of be a bit of a slave to. And uh, yeah, I don't know, pretty pretty cool stuff. So I appreciate uh, appreciate that getting thrown in there, and then. Another little update, which would be uh, the old West Sail Sequoia. They are in Hawaii. He's pigging out on hot dogs and ice cream, and uh, so they made a safe. He made a safe passage from San Diego straight to Hawaii. Going to get his batteries and all that sort of stuff fixed, and then continue on all the way back down to, I believe. In one of his updates, I think he had said he wants to go. He's going to go to Coffs Harbor, Australia, and then down to Tasmania. But I'm not sure. I I don't know. We'll we'll see. It's kind of a strange thing when you're when you're out there and you've got this goal in mind of doing this really long distance solo thing, and then something goes wrong and you have to sort of change your plans and everything. And you get to land and you're really excited about how great it is to be back and you have all the stuff that you want again and that lasts for a couple of days and then you do feel or at least I felt a little bit of guilt and I don't know sort of self let down if that makes any sense where you know you sort of you're like, oh man, you know, I've, uh, I could have done it. I, I probably could have done that. I, I think that, and I'm not saying that about about uh, uh, about Rod, but it's one of those things. I'll, I'll just start mulling it over in my brain, like, man, what if I, or I coulda, or I shoulda, and I know those are probably not really healthy things. I, I suppose to some degree, it's nice to analyze failure because that's how you're gonna learn from it, but. There's obviously an unhealthy level of doing that where you can sit there and you can go over all the what ifs because it's that whole thing. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and I don't know. I I try not to get too too wrapped up in in 
the past and what I could have done better or this or that, you know, no regrets, just keep moving forward, think about it. But at the same time, you do want to learn from, from things uh, they screw up on. And I do believe that you learn more from failure than you do from success. But I think both of them have their pros and cons as far as the person that they turn you into as you move forward uh, in life and all that sort of stuff. Boy, that's deep. That is deep for uh, for a Thursday, 5.05 a.m. Wow. <laughs> mm. Delicious coffee this morning. Really strong, though. Really strong. Holy cow. Was up a little later than normal last night. We went and saw a local comedy show here in Rockland. It was absolutely amazing. We went to, oh, what was the place called? I want to say it was Eclipse. It's down right on the water. That's one of the cool things I, I do love about uh, Rockland, Maine, is pretty much anywhere you're going to go eat or anything you're going to go do, you're pretty much going to be within uh, a stone's throw of our beautiful ocean, which is always kind of cool. I don't know. It, it just gets you, uh, yeah, comedy. Eclipse of the Pearl. It was a great little spot. They had some delicious food and uh, some some cheap beers and, well, fancy beers too. I drink cheap beers. And it was good. You know, we went out and I, boy, had sort of agreed to go out there with a couple of people and had it just been me, I probably would have bailed because I was so tired. I got finished up work and immediately went and crashed for about, well, not immediately, but had a big nap and then tried to muster all the energy and enthusiasm I could. All I wanted to do, though, was put my head right back down on that pillow and just sleep for eight eight to ten more hours and the rest of my weary bones. But I got down there, and actually it was Russ from the podcast uh, previous to this one and his wife, and we uh, we walked down to this place and we watched. Uh, it was great. They had uh, three, three sort of local, well, they're all local comedians, but um, it's cool because, you know, it had a real, it was like a real show vibe, and it is a real show. I mean, you know. Couple of couple of short little sets for the openers, and then uh, the headliner was uh, a lovely young lady, Emily Dillon. You can see some of her stuff on YouTube uh, or on TikTok, but it's best to definitely go and see her live. She has a great, uh, just a I don't know. I I want to say it's a bit authentic for sure, and. Very, very funny, but also really good. I mean, when you see her, you're sort of like, okay, yeah, 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 that's a real comedian. Oh, yeah, for sure. And she's she's plugging it out there. But it's, I don't know, it's, it's so amazing to look up there at a person who's standing on the stage and they have taken a huge amount of energy and time to come up with and write and then refine and redo these these jokes and these stories and put them out there and try over and over and over and over again to get up in front of people and make it work and fine-tune it to a point where it induces just laughter and smiles and and she absolutely does i mean it's it's pretty amazing uh it's just funny to 
it's funny to see people up there and they're they're really trying hard and and for the most part i mean they 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 all had the the crowd going last night it was great and and we had some I won't call them hecklers, but some enthusiastic crowd members that had had a little bit too much to drink. And so the idea of chiming in and being funny either themselves or I I think in a lot of ways people like to chime in at at a comedy show because they think what they have to say is going to be so funny it's going to add to the performance and... They are always really wrong. Maybe once or twice, a little quip, and then, boop, you zip it for the rest of the show, get your one-liner in there like Murph did the other uh, week at at the Bob Marley show. But I don't know. But she handled it pretty well, and um, it was a really funny set. Holy cow, I really, really enjoy it. So, yeah, check her out, Emily Dillon. uh, I think she just has a few clips on YouTube, but, uh, yeah, very, very funny and I don't know. I, I something about seeing people up there on the old stage. It actually sort of I don't know. It makes a, a bit of a nostalgia almost when I when I see that because of the times that I was able to get up there and actually in the in the news of of my life, I suppose. Uh, I next week I have a I know it's it's a virtual uh, sort of presentation, but I will take it. And it's one step closer to hopefully getting it out there and getting back up there to be able to tell sort of my story. And I, I think I've never, whenever I do my presentation, it's never the same. It's always a little different. I don't have sort of a script and I, I'm constantly pulling from, you know, hundreds of these video clips and things like that. And if it's nice because I can, I can sort of tailor make them all over the place and a lot of times like this one that i'm doing it's for a uh, sort of a global marketing group so i would label it as a corporate a corporate very fancy word there corporate uh, uh presentation and it's geared towards how they and their staff have had to sort of weather the storm so to speak which is right up my alley uh of you know, everything that's been going on since 2020, 2020. And, uh, you know, not only all the the political and the pandemic and all that and, and stuff going on in Europe and, and the economy and everything and how you weather that stuff. And I don't know, all wrapped up in me telling this story about going around the world. And a lot of times, even though I have I've presented it, you know, 100 or so times, it really, it's cool because, you know, if we're going to focus on that, then a lot of the story gets sort of shelved and then pretty much get into the nitty gritty of, you know, you got some bad weather in the forecast. What are you going to do? What's your, for me, it's what what the heck, you know, do I want to sit here and, and freak out and worry and go into panic mode or do I want to try and figure out an escape plan and get away from it and not have to deal with it at all? Or do I want to punch right through and keep going in the direction that I want to go and just prepare myself as best as possible and know, and this only came from experience, know that, you know, you're going to rise to the occasion, so to speak. And I don't know. I mean, and there's just a lot of different connections that can be drawn between being out there and, and I think even though uh, 
even though I'm doing a lot of that stuff or all of it solo, I've never considered what I do to be a completely solo sport uh, because it's not like I'm just out there running across the ocean. Uh, I have a boat which has a lot of moving parts that I do consider, especially after enough time <laughs> out at sea, to be sort of uh, alive and have their own attitudes that need to be adjusted, <laughs> so to speak, sometimes. And I'm definitely talking to them, so I'm projecting. I know there's a word for it, but I'm, I'm projecting human traits onto things like sails and the boat and the wind vane and all that sort of stuff. So I do feel like there's a bit of a team effort there. Uh, but obviously I'm I'm sort of in charge. But yeah, I don't know. It, it should be it should be pretty fun and I don't know. It's it's the circumstances are kind of hilarious because I've I actually we 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 have decent internet here at the boatyard, uh, but I'm not super close to it. So it's it's a one bar sort of thing and I've been asking around trying to figure out how how and where I'm gonna be able to go and do this and uh, obviously can't do it in the office because it's during the day and there's people coming in and out and there's heavy machinery <laughs> and all that stuff. So uh, finally talking to a guy named Larique who I'm going to have on the show. He's a professional rigger. He's built quite a bit of the standing rigging of Mighty Sparrow and, and helped me out a million times. But uh, yeah, and it was, it was public library. I mean, go back to the roots I haven't stepped foot in a library in I don't know how long, uh, but when I walked through the doors of the Rockland Library, the public library was great. They've got little study rooms. They've got super fast internet, and I don't know. It was it was uh, it felt pretty neat to go in there and see all these books, and and of course Rockland being sort of an old school little town, just like Petoskey, Michigan, where I'm from. You know, it's it's one of those, and I I. I don't know if I'm going to murder this name, but it's a Carnegie library. So for anybody that doesn't know, way, way back in the day, uh, I don't even know his. Oh, Andrew, Andrew Carnegie. He was, uh, I believe, into big steel and all that. One of the, the great industrialists of the time had acquired a huge amount of wealth, you know, comparable, I suppose, to some of the, the big billionaires of today. In any event, uh, got to a certain point in his life and decided to give it all away. And one of the things that he did was fund and build libraries uh, from coast to coast in all these small towns in America. And, I mean, what a gift, really. You give him the gift of semi-permanent knowledge in books, and there's these really cool old libraries, and there's, I think, thousands of them. Should have probably researched this, uh, but it is. I don't know. It's it's so neat, and I know in Petoskey they've abandoned the old one. Which, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if they've totally abandoned it, but they built a new library. And I don't know. I I know when I saw that at first, I was sort of, I don't know, not taken aback, but just sort of, you know, not super excited about it. What they did did here was they built sort of a new library around the old one. So they've incorporated the old and the new because you don't want to give up on that stuff. At least that's my thought. I mean, you've got this this beautiful piece of history, this lesson to be learned. I mean, I know I don't know a huge amount about uh, 
Carnegie's life, but geez, uh, from what I understand, and <clears throat> if you're going to acquire a fortune like that, you probably have to step on some toes and and bodies and all that sort of stuff. But then, you know, to sort of turn around and and actually give back to well, the country as a whole just in that one little way, which I'm sure maybe they did it other ways. Very cool. And you don't want to forget about that. That's something that I would think most people should know about. I know when I found out about it, I was like, whoa, that's pretty that's pretty mind blowing. That's the sort of stuff you like to see, you know, trying to trying to give back. So I don't know. Very, very cool. But on that note, also I do want to uh give a shout out, old Mike D. He's one of our biggest supporters here on on the show. And um he actually has a really kind of a neat little webpage and it's a, a magazine it's sort of like a blog it's very similar um well I don't want to I don't want to compare it to any of the other ones but it's it's I guess it would be close to what I'm doing with this podcast he's doing with these stories uh, from sailors all over the place and it's really cool great pictures of the stuff and just just stories um the rite of passage only once boat was this damned boat oh man yeah they're they're really good little reads and uh you can look at them yeah it's sailjunkie.com it's a magazine uh and a blog i guess and i don't know it's pretty cool they even have one i'm i'm just scrolling through it right now it says want some cash everybody wants a little cash i want some cash Sail Junkie Magazine is willing to put up some cash for articles we select that contribute to this, dot, 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 um, which is cool. If you get some cool sailing stories and you like to write, grab uh, grab that website and check it out. I don't know. It's just sort of neat. I'm going to, uh, and he, he'd given me permission to sort of plug this, and I don't know, it's, maybe maybe I can... And I'm not just plugging it because he did a review of the the podcast, which was awesome, by the way. Thank you very much, Mike. Very flattering, flattering stuff. Uh, and it's it's comments like that, and then sort of the emails that I get from people that uh, keep me keep me going, and obviously the people in on the the Patreon family. It really does. Uh, I, I don't know. It's pretty cool. I put one out, and then you go and just you, you get a couple of emails, and then you get. You look at the the amount of downloads it gets and all that sort of stuff, and it's I don't know, it's it's promising and it makes me want to keep going and and keep harping on all these people, these poor people around here. I tell you, I feel bad for them because uh, <laughs> I I try not to just constantly harp on it. Like, hey, oh, what are you doing this afternoon? You want to do podcast? Want to do podcast? I say that so much to so many people and. I know I got to stop because I don't want people to start avoiding me and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, but I have to keep I have to keep pressing because I I want to sit down with uh, with a lot of people that are up here right now and just crank out a quick uh, hour hour half on the show and get their take on some stuff. Uh, I think I think my my most my most wanted victim right now is Heath. Heath and I have a lot of stuff to talk about and. Uh, you know, he's out there lobstering. He's got the family. He's got the garden. He's got the chickens. He's got the brewery. He's got the dispensary. He's he's a man of uh of a whole lot of things he's doing. And I honestly I strive to be that as well. And all all of my stuff is a little 
I guess, I don't want to say it's a little different, but I guess it is. Um, you know, you get the books, you got the podcast, you got the job, you got Mighty Sparrow, and now you're throwing in a, a presentation, uh, which hopefully will continue and we'll get into more of that. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty cool. And he's, he's uh, just a really nice guy and I... Uh, one of the things I really like about him, he's not uh, he's not bashful about about talking about pretty much anything and what uh, what his opinions are and all that, which is is great. It's great to sit down and talk to somebody who doesn't really have any sort of motivation to frame anything a certain way or have I don't know shed themselves in a certain light for their own advantage i suppose heath is probably one of the most genuine and uh, and great people we had uh, murph had a, a nice little full moon party uh, on the last full moon which was a week or so ago and uh, it was great a bunch of people came out it was a lot of fun and uh, you know heath came out with the with the wife and the kid and all that stuff i don't know it's just uh, it's got a nice little family affair it was a blast and, and it was kind of funny too because you know, everybody's sort of waiting for the old moon to come up. It's getting a little late. We all ate. We're sort of everybody's a little tired because it was midweek. If it would have been a Friday night, we would have been howling at the moon. And about 20, 30 minutes before the moon's supposed to come up, all of a sudden the northeast wind kicks in and, you know, we're talking blowing plates around, all this sort of stuff. Everybody's scurrying. But at the north wind up here, it's cold. So instantly it went from being very comfortable to... A little bit of a biting cold, and uh, I use that excuse to scurry right back to my boat and get some sleep. Because, like I said, work has been—we've just been going full, full till up here. Because as Fourth of July comes in, the idea of getting your boat in—sort of a saying—if it's not in by the Fourth of July, you might as well leave it out for the season. Because it is a short season up here. But what a spot to be! Penobscot Bay, when I look out there, it reminds me of being in the Caribbean on a, on a nice sunny day. The water is just beautiful. It's blue. You got all these little dotted islands, inlets, coves, and you can, I don't know, it is a great, great sailing area. All these little towns from, from here to Rockport to Camden to all the way down to like Bar Harbor, all that sort of stuff. And, and yeah, it's the thing. You got Acadia all the way up north and there are mooring buoys up there. I think Russ and his wife are going to head up there pretty soon. And I don't know. It's, uh, it's a beautiful spot. And, uh, I don't know. I, I definitely, I, I still have never really cruised these grounds. I've, I've a little bit while I'm entering and exiting the, uh, the Gulf of Maine, but that's about it. But next door we have another, I think it's a Cape Dory. I'm not 100% sure, but these guys bought this boat, and it's about a, I don't know, 34-foot or something like that. And chatting with them the other night, and we're going to have to sit down because they want to take the boat all the way down to North Carolina, which should be quite a little trip. I think it's going to be more coastal. There's more. It's it's There will either be two or three of them on the boat, but going to be a coastal sort of trip but i don't think they've it'll be one of the bigger adventures as far as sailing goes and so we're going to sit down and pour over a few charts come up with some game plans some ideas talk about weather <clears throat> excuse me all that sort of stuff which would be kind of interesting i don't know you know you just 
people you meet, you never know. You never know what's uh, what's waiting right around the next corner. Some some interesting conversation, all that stuff. And who knows? Yeah, I think they're gonna be we're gonna be launching them pretty soon. I know they've had a few issues because it's a new boat. You get a new boat, you're or a new boat to you, and especially you know these old used boats and stuff. You end up discovering quite a few little problems and having to address them. And if you're in a real, real big hurry, boy, that's that's a recipe for disaster. You put it in a little too fast, and then all of a sudden, now you're dealing with the floating boat that's got an issue. And it's always way easier to fix a boat when it's on the land than it is in the water. That is for sure. Oh, holy cow. All right, we are we're plugging right through. But yeah, so uh I don't know, I know I, I sort of got away from the sale junkie thing, but yeah, you definitely want to check that out. It's pretty cool. And I'm gonna sort of delve into it. And who knows, you know, maybe I'm gonna uh see if I can use some of this for for fodder. Uh I've always thought it'd be kind of neat to have sort of like a, a news segment. But uh and you know, ideally or not ideally, but Initially, I had thought about that with things like uh, Sailing Anarchy or Scuttlebutt or something like that. I guess some of the more more mainstream uh, kind of sites about sailing. And that, you know, that might be kind of cool. I can pick up some of those. But I don't know. I You know, for me, there's an interest level in the common man or woman where... <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to hear about, I want to hear about real life stories from just real life people. I, for years when I was getting into sailing, I I used to pour through Yachting World magazines. We had a huge stack of them at the first little sailing school that I worked at. And man, the pictures and just Southern Ocean and the Volvo boats and the Vonde boats and America's Cup boats and all that. And it is really cool. And, and I do still like, I, I enjoy watching a few clips. But if I'm going to sit down and read an, a couple of page article about something, I find nowadays, and it's the same with this podcast, that I want the stories from the guy next door because I'm probably going to laugh, cry, and relate to what they're going through. A heck of a lot more than hearing the same story being told <laughs> about some race and some high-end performance boat and the issues they're going through. I, you know, I'm not trying to downplay how cool that stuff is and how much work goes into the the high-end, you know, peak professional sailors uh, going through and stuff. But I don't know. For for me, I I love hearing these stories from people <laughs> and what they go through. Because they're just out there trying to follow their dreams. They're not out there trying to make money. They're not doing anything but trying to live their lives. So I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. But yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll see if Michael will allow me to delve into a few articles and have like sort of a news bulletin uh, come out of this show of like, oh, we've got a new story and blah, blah, blah. But who knows? Who knows? Oh, geez. So Mighty Sparrow is uh, looking... Not great down below. We are covered in a big film of dust uh, from the boatyard. It's been kind of dry. There hasn't been a lot of rain. And 
Oh, there's there's clean laundry strewn around because I I'm just yeah it's it's literally I, I finish up work and <laughs> I mean I'm typically trying to stay awake long enough to make something for dinner, have a beer, and then go to bed, and barely even I haven't been to the grocery store. Oh my gosh, when you work from sun up to sundown, it it definitely messed up. Ugh, no yawning. It definitely messes your your sort of, I don't know, my psyche goes off in, in the rails and I, I sort of just forego all all the other facts of life. But I still do the laundry because, you know, I got a job to do here. I can't look like a complete slob. Although I wear the same pair of pants to work every single day because they get ruined so quickly. I'm not, uh, I'm not up for sacrificing a few more pairs of pants to the to the work gods but it's okay I you know even if I went in with brand spanking new clean everything every morning I would say it would take me at at maximum two hours to look completely filthy already because everything I touch everything I do either has grease dirt mud or grime all over it and so it's on my hands then it gets in my sunscreen. Then it gets all over my my body. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's quite a sight. But yeah, I don't know, Mighty Sparrow. I got. I'm hopefully, hopefully we we're not here too too late tonight because I really really want to clean her up and get her looking good. Especially just because if I'm gonna have somebody come on this podcast, I I they come down below. I want him to come on on Mighty Sparrow and and feel like holy cow this guy keeps it really looking good. And I always tell people, you know, you should have seen it yesterday. It didn't look so great, uh, but it is it is a pretty amazing thing what happens when you look around. I know I I don't know who says it. There's some some pop culture sort of mainstream person that that's like first step is clean your room. And I I don't know. Sometimes parts of me want to just scoff at that, but. Other parts of me sort of like, yeah, actually, you know, if I've got a lot of stuff I'm trying to do and if I let all the, if I let the boat just turn into absolute garbage down below, it's, it's not exactly a huge motivator. But if I take the 30 minutes or hour that it takes to, to pick everything up and then wipe everything down and the boat smells good, it looks good, it's vacuumed, it's clean. And I see that, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, I, I have a little bit more motivation to go about my day, uh, chin up, so to speak, if you want to if you want to say that. So there is something to be said for that, so I think I'm going to try. But it's, it's one of those things, you know, I could have woke up early this morning and, uh, and cleaned the boat, but priorities, got to get this podcast out, got to make sure, got to make sure... Uh, People know that I'm still alive. <laughs> I really do. The minimum, absolute minimum is going to be one a week. I really, really, really don't want to let that slide. And and this was close. This was really close. I think it's been probably exactly a week since the last one I put out. Do not want to let you guys down. <sighs> so we we will see. But yeah, hopefully hopefully not too late of a day. Gets all old girl gussied up, a little cleaned up and then and then get some more people in here for some interviews. And we we got the last of our docs in yesterday. Big applause. Thank you. Thank you. It was uh 
a labor of love. It's always it's always a pretty amazing thing. Once the the fuel here at Night Marine, once the the gas dock and the uh, and the gas building open up and people can start pulling up, fueling up, picking up, it's it's just it's the, there we go. Summer has started, and today is the twenty third of June, so just past the official first day of the solstice, and um, I don't know, it, it's cool, and it's nice, too, when we're, we're having a, a beer or whatever out at Murph Shack, you look out, you get to see a lot of action, lobster boats and, and passenger boats and all these sailboats and stuff, pulling in, pulling out, mixing it up, yelling, screaming, ah, it's just nothing better, it's just action, good quality action, and it, you know, who doesn't love a good sit and watch people try and park boats. It, it's just great. It, it could be its own whole whole entertainment sector, you know. Maybe they maybe that's why they put piers and finger piers and stuff so close. I mean, I know they're trying to maximize how many dock slips they can put in one place, but maybe also there's a little bit of like, hey, we want a little entertainment value out of this. Let's let's make it very difficult uh, for. A 42-foot sailboat to spin around and, and then reverse into a tiny slip in between two power boats and only use pilings and tie up stern two <laughs> on a windy day with a bit of current. Let's see that. It is it is funny. It's a, definitely a spectator sport. Mm. Ooh, good coffee, but boy, bitter. I still have never figured out the secret to that thing. Every single morning, my coffee always tastes different. And I suppose I could measure it out. And I suppose I could measure out like the little powdered cream stuff that I put in. And I suppose I could take the same amount of time. But where's the mystery in that? (laughs) Mm. There isn't any. I tell you, there isn't any. Holy cow. So we're going to dive right back in today. Launch some boats. Uh, Hopefully we launch some in the morning. If not, I don't know. I got a lot of stands to pick up, a lot of big blocks of wood, but it looks like I might have a little bit of a helper coming in, which would be kind of cool, but the yard's already emptying out like crazy. Uh, There's a huge amount of room for activities, lots and lots of stuff going on, Uh, and it's nice because you see lots of gaps open up, and basically, it's it's sort of, I don't want to say 50-50, but when you have a lot of boats, then all of a sudden you have a lot of cars. But we've also got a ferry terminal next to us to take people out to the islands. And a lot of those people need to park their cars. So we do a lot of uh, overnight and weekend parking and all that sort of stuff uh, to add add to our offerings as a business, so to speak, here at uh, Night Marine. And one of the things we have to do is move the cars quite often to get to other boats and all that sort of stuff. And... Uh, Every single time we put a boat in, we open up more space, which makes it a little easier. And you'd think that I'd have to move cars less, but it is absolutely incorrect because um, people just pull in and park wherever they can. Oh man, and yeah, that's probably one of the it's it's this one of the strangest things hopping in and out of other people's cars constantly, and it's been uh, it's been a, a bit of a struggle for the last couple summers where I've helped out up here because of people's masks, you know, it's your car. So obviously, you know, if you're, if you're wearing masks all the time, 
You're going to have them piling up in your vehicle and you're going to string them over the little gear shift or the the mirror and all that stuff. But, you know, you got to consider poor old Jerome hopping in and out of like maybe 20 cars per day and most of them having that dangling around. And I've been doing that since 2020. So I, I think I've I've successfully uh, low-dosed my way through through the pandemic uh, unscathed. When they say you get a little bit at a time, moderation is the key. Well, I think that's probably how I did it because, holy cow, the amount of germs and stuff that I probably go through in a day is, oh, pretty ridiculous. But, hey, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Ah, uh, lordy lord. Mm. Well, I don't really know what else to talk about. Oh, I did have, shoot, I had a little bit of a, uh, oh, let me pull up my, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, hold up. Oh, yeah, we've got some early birds out there working on their boat, They're putting their sails on. They must be, must be launching this morning for sure. But yeah, I wanted to delve into, as I'm preparing for this this presentation and such, I sort of happened upon a few few little videos and a few a few entries into the old journal, which I think are I don't know, they're kind of interesting. I wanted to I wanted to sort of speak them out loud, so to speak, and I figure the podcast is a pretty good place to do it. But deep, deep down in the Southern Ocean. When you and I can just see my parents, <laughs> their eyes rolling because I used to always say that all the time. Oh, when I was in the Southern Ocean, but when I was in the Southern Ocean, there's this point. So, you, you get down there, you go across the Indian Ocean underneath Australia, New Zealand, into the vast Pacific. You've been out there for close to 200 days, and with all the things that were going wrong, and this is geared towards again sort of weathering the storm and and making the choices to keep going just keep pushing forward and not actually give up because that's that's sort of the point of the whole thing is how how you can you can get yourself motivated and in the right mindset to just always be pushing forward no matter <clears throat> how many how many challenges and and obstacles are put in the way what you can actually do to to make that choice and and sort of gut up, so to speak, and and keep pushing forward. So down in the Southern Ocean, you get you get across that vast Pacific. You've been out there, and in my case especially, you know the water pump had been broken for months. The food had run short, so I'm always thirsty, always hungry. The weather's bad; it's cold, all that sort of stuff. You get past Point Nemo, which is the furthest you can get away from land anywhere on the planet. You know, the, the space station orbits at, I think, about 250 miles above the surface of the uh, the planet, and you're 1,600 miles from the nearest land, so uh, the comparison's not even funny to make how much further away from civilization you are than, than them, although I feel like they're a little bit more isolated <laughs> in some respects. In any event, you get out there. And once you reach, I don't know, I, I want to say 1,500, 1,200 miles away in a direct line to Cape Horn, that's when you really need to take 
take into account your situation. And that's where one of the biggest choices come into play when you do a circumnavigation. And that's whether or not to dive deeper into the belly of the beast and pass into the the furious 50s and head for Cape Horn, which is a place that, like many spots on this planet, are, are absolute graveyards for sailors. And you know once you get down there, even once you reach Cape Horn, then you got to climb your way back up <clears throat> and now sort of in a, a different a different realm when it comes to these low pressure systems because you've got to now beat your way through them as they they first come upon you and you're not riding them out so to speak like when you're heading to the east and so you find yourself in this situation and where you have to make the choice am i going to go further in or have i had enough and one of the things that i kept harping on about and actually was part of the reason why I made the decision to keep going. Uh, really, it, it came from, and the idea, the idea is not 100% mine. I guess the, the dissecting and thinking of all the aspects that go into it, that's, that's the sort of the idea I'm trying to get to right here as I blurt out all these words. But in Robin Knox Johnson's book, Sir Robin Knox Johnson, in his book, A World of My Own, <clears throat> excuse me, he talks about not letting the me down who got me here. And those words resonated with me a lot. Absolutely. It, it, it made 100% sense. And the owner of the Bitter End Yacht Club, he had said something to me before I left. It was very similar as well. And it was that the winds will always change. And I think those two sort of coincide pretty well for what I'm trying to explain here. But in that, in that moment, in those days where I knew it was either time to go south and head for the horn or, you know, call it quits because the, the fall was coming in. I was late to getting to that spot. I had hoped to reach Cape Horn in February and now it was April so not really the best the best time to go. And I remember sitting down and thinking to myself, holy cow, okay. If you go backwards in time from where I am right now, 1,200 miles from Cape Horn at about 48 degrees south, and if I'm going to make it, if I'm going to keep going, I've got to set a course for southeast instead of head north to... Tahiti, the Marquesas, who knows? Tropical, beautiful paradises with everything you could ever want. Um, and nice and warm and good trade winds and all that sort of stuff in that direction. And then the other direction, essentially the worst place possible you can think of going and trying to sail. <laughs> so you have to make that decision. And obviously you've, you've got the goal set in mind. You know what you're actually trying to do, where you're trying to go the thing you're trying to accomplish. But one of the things that helped me was to actually take a look at the past and go back from that moment in time, a minute, an hour, a day, a week, a month, two months, three months, and just take a snapshot, take account of what all went into getting you, getting me to that point where I was there. And for me at that point, 
it was not only the two or two and a half, three months that I was in just the Southern Ocean since the Cape of Good Hope, and there's that person for that chunk of time that had to fight his way all the way through that, countless weather systems, whales, scary stuff, lightning, all that, and being so isolated and so remote, and then the problems with the water maker, the problems with the food, and that person up until that point had kept pushing on. And so I don't want to let that guy down. But then you can even go further back, and this is where it sort of relates to just about anybody. You go back to that, and you have the casual, <laughs> casual 10,000-mile or whatever sail from the start point. And then you go back from there, you actually have the person who has been working on and training on this boat for nine months. And then you go back even further, and you're talking about the person who worked for three years and saved money and read books and researched and watched videos and did all of this work, which I guess would be comparable to someone going even to school or anything like that, trying to build an education that will allow them to do this this thing that they want to do and keep pushing forward in their career. And there's so you add all that up and you're looking at years of of this person, me, working towards this goal. And now I'm at this point in time where I have this big decision to make. And even though if you just took me right at that time and you you if you take away all that history and all that work and everything that got it me to that point that person might say yeah uh pretty much easy uh i'm gonna go to tahiti i'm not gonna go to cape horn but when you factor in all that stuff that you went through to get there that person if you if you make that decision to just put up the white flag and call it quits you really have let down that you that person probably would look at you and be like, what are you doing, man? Keep going. Whoa. Why am I out here? Why am I pushing so hard? And it would not be, I'm not, I'm not really, see, this is why I like to play these out because <laughs> it helps to sort of, uh, I don't know. It's all about the flow of how this is delivered and I'm doing a terrible job with it, but that's why I'm doing it right now. Iron it out before the real show. But yeah, I, it really is. You know, there's there's like the, like five years of of pushing and eye on the prize and finding obstacles and overcoming them and pushing through, and then also just rising to the occasion. Because there were various amounts of times where I'm like, boy, this is really probably isn't a great idea. You know, Cyclone Irving. You get knocked down. You start rethinking your life choices. But again, you rise to the occasion, the boat makes it through it, and you keep plugging away. And that's one of those things where when you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you're absolutely overwhelmed, you can't keep going, there's no reason to. The smart, the smart decision is to find a different route. But if you want to keep going and you want to find that motivation looking back and look at and dissect what what you've done to get to that exact point where you're trying to figure out whether you should keep going or you should stop. 
And that's one of the biggest things that really, really helped me was just knowing, okay, well, I can look back. I can say, wow, holy cow, I really put a lot of effort into this. I spent my life savings. Let's let's at least give it a shot because that's it, it's not it's not as though you're saying to yourself we you have to do it it's just you have to keep moving forward one step at a time and that is also where the other advice comes in that the winds will always change and that really is it's one of those things you know you get to cape horn and then you get around it and you know that eventually you're going to escape the Southern Ocean. You're going to escape this, this terrible little section, this huge, huge challenge. It's scary and you don't want to do it and you're tired, but you make it through that. And then you get out on the other side. The winds have changed. Things ease up. Temperatures come up. Stop going through quite so many gales. And then all of a sudden you find yourself with that big rush and that big reward of you made it through. And I think not only is it important to look back at what you've done to get you there, but also to remember and not not really lose sight of where you are at that moment, but always keep in mind that you will eventually reach that line. And for a sailor, it's a wind line or it's a latitude or something like that where you make it to that and then you you're you're on the home stretch. And for me... It was just getting out of the Southern Ocean and getting into the variables and making my way north and feeling the relief that comes with that. And so having that in your head and knowing that it's there, it's a physical, absolute thing. And even if you're an accountant or you're you're doing some sort of job, there is that goal of like, okay, we finished that project, we get to this goal, and then even though... The career's not over. I don't stamp, give them my pink slip or whatever that saying goes. I get to a point where I've accomplished that. I know what I can do now, and then I can go forward um, and make it, had made it through such a, a horrendous and big and scary challenge. And so keeping in mind that little future thing of knowing that the goal will be reached that helps. And then also looking back at what it took to get you there and making sure that you don't let down that person that got you all the way there. Because eventually you're going to be looking at yourself further down the line and going, holy cow, I remember that time where I was so ready to just give up and stop. And I sat and I dissected it because uh, Jerome Rand told me to. <laughs> And boom, now I'm here. I can't believe it. Wow, what a smart guy. <laughs> oh, man, patting myself on the back. So I don't know. That's In any event, I just wanted to sort of talk through that one. But I think it's, I think it's, rel- I think it's a, a very um, relatable, and I think it's relative to just about any, any big challenge that anybody's trying to go through, or just life in general. I mean, it's, it's very easy. To just sort of get into a rut sometimes and be like, man, holy cow, like nothing seems to be going like my way. And I I wish it was I was more success or I wish I was in better shape or this or that and the other thing. Or I wish I was just having more fun in life. And you got to remember that essentially 
you've been working through and trying to get to a point for all the time before you started questioning that. And if you keep on plugging away and you make sure maybe reassess some of those goals, all of a sudden, hey, you uh, you can you can say to yourself, well, that's the goal line. I'm here. I'm 43 years old. For all those years, I've been trying to work towards something, and uh, I'm not going to just give up. i got to actually put some more effort in. Let's punch it right through, and let's go. I feel like I'm coaching a football team. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> oh, geez. So, anyway, well, I now uh, have to start getting ready to uh, – Go lift some blocks and uh, fire up the old tractor and get get this day started. The uh, the other guys will be in pretty soon. So I want to thank you for bearing with me, uh, all of the listeners out there. There there are definitely more interviews to come. They uh, I'm a hundred percent positive I'm getting something out this weekend, if not in the next couple of days, and uh, we're gonna continue on. Boy, there there's just such a there's a gold mine of of people up here uh, with great sailing stuff and just great great life advice and and stories and it's all coming. But I'm just just like I just said. Now I can't give up. I got to keep pushing. Got to keep pushing the goal. I'd love to just have a bank with about five podcasts in it, so that if I hit a dry spell and can't get anybody to sit down and I run out of things to say, then I can I can hit those up. So that's that's sort of my goal. Wow, you know, yeah. Gotta I gotta envision that. Well, it seems like my little pep talk worked on me. I'm very easy uh to manipulate. <laughs> I can manipulate myself. <laughs> all right. Well, big thanks again to all the Patreon family and everybody that uh sends in emails and such. You can contact the show via the website sailingintooblivion.com. Feel free to reach out, and uh, I love to read about it and obviously mention you on the show. I'll never use uh, your last name. I'll just throw out the first because I'm pretty sure you know who you are. And um, if you feel like supporting the show, head over to uh, Patreon. I'll put the link in the description. This has been a lovely Thursday morning up here in Maine. Summer is just cranking by faster than I could ever believe. And uh, it's going to be over soon. So I'm going to try and cherish each and every day, even though I'm out there busting my hump, working hard. And sometimes I'd rather not be doing that. I got to remember that uh, life is short and I'm just messing about with boats. (laughs) Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening.